Tuesday. It is me, your managing editor of Wrestling Inc., Nick Hausman, back with another episode of The Winkly, and I'm joined here, as I am just about every Tuesday, by my good friend Michael Weissman. Michael, welcome back to The Winkly. Happy void in between Thanksgiving and Christmas, Nick. Yeah, that's right. You are the you're the gravy to my mashed potatoes. Ooh, look at that. You're the marshmallows to my sweet potatoes. Oh, that's that? good. That's good. Uh, you are the weird mold to my gelatin. Mm, okay, you are the barbecue to my Thanksgiving because that's what I had instead of turkey Thursday night. So. Okay, well, now now we're just getting personal, so I think that ends the game. Uh, welcome back to the show, everybody. we got a lot to get to here today, uh, a lot of fun news. We're, we're talking about the, the news of the last five days from the world of professional wrestling, uh, and uh, trust me, there's, there's quite a bit to get to here. Uh, but before we talk about the news today, I want to let you know tonight or today on the show, we have uh, really three big pieces of audio, but they're from two people. Uh, of course, this Saturday night... On Fight.TV, it's going down. Tito Ortiz taking on Alberto El Patron. They are putting their own titles on the line, the one that Tito won in UFC, and the John Cena-styled spinner belt that Alberto El Patron won in WWE. Did you know that? He's putting that on the line. I did not know that. This is the most pro-wrestling-ish ever. Oh, it's great. <laughs> um, and, of course, Tito Ortiz recently came out, and he, I think he said he wanted a match with John Bones Jones. So he's got to be feeling pretty good here. Uh, this is going to be for Combates America. Uh, go check it out. Uh, and on the show here today, you're going to hear an interview uh, first, right after the news, our own Raj Geary, the executive editor. Uh, he he sat down, he chatted with Tito Ortiz. Right after that, we have a very short second interview with Tito Ortiz uh, that our good buddy uh, and correspondent Joey G went out and got at the press conference they did not too long ago for Ortiz versus Patron. And while he was there, he got a couple minutes with Alberto El Patron as well. So you're going to get uh, some audio from Tito and Patron later on in the show brought to us by Raj and Joey G. So a, a, a hearty meal to get your week going here with the Winkley. I like it. Keeping the Thanksgiving theme going. Well, let's get to the turkey of the matter, though. Uh, the news you can use. Yeah, the news you can use. The news will leave a bruise. We're going to start off here. I thought it would be appropriate to start off talking about Bray Wyatt. Now, the Observer is reporting that Bray Wyatt is now the number one merchandise seller for WWE, and that is... No small task. That is a, you know, Hogan, John Cena. Now, Bray Wyatt, number one uh, merchandise seller in WWE. The WWEshop.com is currently offering more than 20 items for Wyatt and the Firefly Funhouse. Uh, the shop recently started selling the Wyatt Head Lantern for 100 bucks. You get that lantern. It quickly sold out at first. Apparently, they put it uh, back into stock. You can also pick it up at live events if you hit the merchandise stand. And on top of all that merch, Bray Wyatt revealed his own custom, The Fiend, WWE Universal Championship on SmackDown. The new Fiend-style custom handcrafted title belt was produced and individually numbered by Tom Savini Studios, which has worked uh, on most of the Fiend's creative items and the Firefly segments. Now, the title belt is being produced, as I said, for a limited run. Pre-orders have already begun, and it is going for, brace yourself, Michael, $6,499.99. If you include... <laughs> The $700 or so that come with the sales tax comes out to a little over $7,000 for the Custom Fiend WWE Universal Championship. Of course, shipping Oh, my free. gosh. The title, now that he's got it, it was used uh, and debuted uh, in Mexico over the weekend in Mexico City when he defended it against Mysterio in a cage match, which he won. He's going to put this title on the line against Daniel Bryan at TLC. And Wyatt, uh, of course, pulled Bryan under the ring to close SmackDown and ripped out all his hair. So, of course... The big thing here, man, $7,000. And here, I, I don't know. How do you feel about the the cash in here on, on Wyatt and this high-figure high, high figure 
for this title, Michael. Is that by volume or is that by, do you know what that metric is based around? Is it number of items sold or is it how much uh, money they've made off of him? I got to think it's pure profit. I got to think it's yeah. the number one seller. So it's the combined efforts of all 20 plus items here. Well, I think that's part of it, right? He's got a lot of items out there. He's also got some high ticket items out there that are unique to him. The lantern sure. you mentioned. Uh, the, I mean, I don't know if they're attributing the blue title to him as well because that's relatively new and he's the only one that's had it. Um, but <laughs> but that lantern is, dude, I'm telling you what, it's creepy as hell. Like, you're going to buy that and put it up on your shelf. People come over, what, like, are you a serial killer? But it's cool they're selling it. It's cool they're selling the puppets. It's cool that they have that box that they sell for the Firefly Funhouse. Like, yeah. I give them a lot of slack because I think their t-shirt designs have been rather lackluster in a lot of cases in recent years, but man, they are leaning into this the right way and selling things that collectors and not just kids or fans want to buy. Yeah. And I don't, I don't really have an issue with the price tag, right? You can either afford it or you can't afford it. If somebody has the money, they want to drop seven grand on this well, title. And it looks it's like, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, it just, it, oh, this is, I'm sorry, Nick. I know I ever talked to you there, right. but it's like driving right. me crazy because people online yeah. uh, and, and journalists, I respect, I think everybody's got an opinion and people are just poking fun at the bear because they can. Right. Sure. But a lot of people have come out against this title saying, if you, if you buy this, then um, I'm going to block you. Ha ha ha. Who would spend money on this when you can buy a used car for that? Listen, guys, there is something really unique here. And I'm a horror fan, right? So, of course, yeah. I lean into this a little bit more. I'm kind of in that niche, pro wrestling, horror, all together in one. Tom Savini is an icon. Night of the Living Dead, uh, or, or those the Dead series, right? He worked on the Dead series, is one of my favorite of all time. And so something that is produced by his studios that is also pro wrestling related, that commands a certain level of attention from me. And so I understand the market here and what they're going after. And you may not like it. You may think it's ugly. But if somebody wants to spend their money on it, God bless them. Like, let them do it. Who like, cares? You're just... Yeah, I mean, that. yeah, exactly, man. Like, if you got seven grand, you want to throw it. And here's the thing, too. And, like, I don't want to be QVC here, but, like, this is, you know, <laughs> if, you're a, if you're a Tom Savini fan, right, who has done a lot of work on a lot of other puppetry items and horror items and things like that in the past, and he's hand-making these and he's numbering them, I'm not a collector of horror memorabilia, but I do think that adds some value just outside the pro wrestling. So I, I don't know. It is a lot of money, right? Mm. But if you can get it, you can get it. Uh, and I'm sure that, you know, you can go make your own custom one for much, uh, much, uh, less money if you, uh, would choose to go that route. But, and, and who are we to judge fans? I mean, like if somebody brought up Vixen Span, I think it was said, you know, WWE is kind of playing loose with the numbers here and not saying it is a limited run of 4,000 items or whatever it would be. Right. So maybe that's a criticism, right? WWE make it limited and truly limited. Not just when we sell out, we'll make some more because we want to, we want to make this money. Well, that's a criticism, but not the fans. Right. The first run item here. You can always do it in waves, you know. Sure. Uh, the first generation of releases. What do you just? <laughs> what do you think of the title in general? Do you like the title? Oh, I, you know, I do. I kind of like it in that weird way that I like the new Tesla Cybertruck, and that I kind of like the weird things that they've done with like. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's a really <laughs> good comparison. Go ahead. Right. Like, like at first I'm like, oh my God, what did they do here? And then the more I look at it, it's so unique and interesting and different that it grows on me. And and I'm not going to say everybody should have it, but for the fiend, it is a certain kind of perfect. If you see it laid out there and it's got the let me in kind of stapled on there, um, it's it's exactly what it should be. And I think that's why I, I said on Twitter, if it was less than a thousand bucks, I would seriously consider buying one again because the horror movie tie over here with Tom Savini, uh, the fact that it is so unique. People bought those eco belts that Daniel Bryan had earlier this year for six thousand like dollars, and I thought those things were ugly as sin. No, I liked the Daniel Bryan one way more than the Fiend. The Fiend one, I don't. It's not that I hate the Fiend one; like I get it. 
I did. It's like you see the the big silver washers on the outside of it. Like it's intentionally kind of built, industrialized. I guess it's just I don't know. It's not. It's not. It's not my style. I I'm all about the hemp pieces of nice ornate wood <laughs> that Daniel Bryan was rocking. That and the Velcro. I mean, it was. I loved it. That was a great title belt. But not the pseudo skin that they're trying to mimic on this. No, no. <laughs> the mask. No. And I and look, I'm a, I'm a fan of the macabre. I have a human skull on my desk, right? Mm. And I have death dollars on my desk. You know, I keep some weird stuff around. Not to say I wouldn't put this seven thousand dollar belt proudly up on my shelf if anybody's got Christmas ideas for me. But uh, it's just it's it, for me. It's it just it, I I don't know. I I like I like when it's a variation of the WWE title. This one is just completely different. It's just his face. Just his yeah. face on a piece of leather, you know? It's cool that they're doing it. You know, we've had so many over the years. I mean, the Smoking Skull is one of the all-time favorites for me of the variations. And, of course, John Cena's they actually made into the title that uh, Alberto El Patron will be defending this Saturday. Um, but, yeah, I, I like that they're actually leaning in and making specific merch for things like this because I think it tells the fans you can embrace this product and buy things that you hold personal and dear to you. Even if Nick hates it, Michael might like it or vice versa. Well, and here and look, Bray Wyatt now is officially, I guess, what the biggest most pro- I mean, if he's the most profitable star for them, I think that they treat him as the biggest. So we're, we're I don't think we're going to take the gas pedal off this Bray Wyatt push anytime soon. And I, I, you know, I think that's great. Obviously, Bray's great. But what did you think about the kind of under the ring? hair pulling out with Daniel Bryan stuff. I mean, how is how is the current push of The Fiend resonating with you? You know, we have this thing on Friday night where they're doing a Firefly Funhouse kind of throughout the evening, and it felt a bit much, but again, he's the face of that brand, right? The top merch seller, title holder, all that jazz. So I get why they're doing that. The ending was a little bit... I felt mixed, right? At first, I'm like, okay, they're doing something different here. He's going to take him under and rebrand him. Um, I know some people are against Daniel Bryan not having hair. I thought it felt a little bit corny with him coming back up with the gobs of hair. Like, yes, I did it. Like, he's got money, you know? Like, he's holding up wads of money, and he accomplished something. Yeah. I would rather him have just been taken under, and we see Daniel Bryan next week with no hair. But the tease works for casual fans. I didn't have an issue with the hair pulling out. I would have just had, like, little chunks of blood and, like, yeah. flesh at the root of the hair, right? It just looks like you're reaching into a bag of hair. Little note, little note. Like, if you're going to rip the man's hair out, right, there should be chunks of his scalp in the hair. Just Listen, saying. The Fiend is a murderous host of a children's show, but he always uses clippers, Nick, yeah. okay? I guess so. Uh, I Yeah, I, and I also was kind of waiting for him to pull the title out from underneath the ring and pose with it at the end of the show. So he yeah. just kind of creepily looked out like a little frog out from under the water there with his eyes out. So, All If right. you've not seen the title, too, i got to put over my best work ever in covering SmackDown for Wrestling Inc., and that is the gift that I made for that captures the segment that they showed it on WWE TV almost perfectly. It's just a You can loop this gif and show it to your friends, and it never ends. It's mesmerizing, so go mm. check that out. Well, let's talk about the other half of the Deleters of Worlds. Remember them? Remember that was a tag team, the Deleters of Worlds? Yes. Uh, PWInsider.com reporting that Matt Hardy, his WWE contract, is going to come up a little earlier than had been reported. They're saying it's going to be up sometime in February of 2020. Now, the biggest point of contention here, apparently, is how Hardy is going to be used creatively going forward. Now, the two sides are said to be not far apart on the financial aspects of the deal, but Hardy wants to make sure he's in the right place and used properly as this could be the final deal of his wrestling career. The report also noted that Matt has been very thankful to WWE for bringing both himself and Jeff Back to the company since WrestleMania 33. Over the last few weeks, Hardy has put on his uh, free of the delete series on his YouTube channel. And if Matt 
and WWE can't come to an agreement, he'll likely use this new Free the Delete YouTube series to jump off uh, and return to his broken Matt Hardy persona that was such a huge success outside of WWE. And, of course, I believe he owns the trademark to broken Matt Hardy now as well. So, um, I don't know, like, uh, I, you know, definitely when Jeff got arrested for this most recent DUI and the subsequent fallout from that, I feel, you know, it's always very unfortunate how it, it, it seems to affect the other, you know, when one thing happens to the other, kind of like what happened with the Usos, I feel like, a little bit uh, mm-hmm. with their current spot. So I feel for Matt in that situation. Uh, but at the same time, Matt didn't screw up here, right? Matt is still right. very capable and he's proven his value. Um, if he really doesn't think, and I, I just, I don't know, WWE gave the broken Matt character a, a, a shot. They didn't quite know what to do with it. I think he knows that too. It would be very, very tempting for me to go back to work with the guys that really helped me get that persona over and I know that I could work with uh, over in AEW. And I, I would not be surprised at all to see Ma- come Mania season Matt Hardy over in, over in AEW. Well, Matt's at his best when he's being creative, right? And he gets yeah. that freedom to be creative. You know, when he ended his previous WWE run, it was not under the best terms and all that. It took him a while to find his mojo, but over an Impact, you're right, Nick. He, he got out there and he did some really cool stuff and he changed his himself and his character and the entire dynamic around Impact Wrestling at the time, which was so cool to see. Yeah. Um, and, and WWE didn't know they. I think Vince McMahon thought the delete character was more of Matt or the broken Matt Hardy character was just him saying, wonderful and, and, and kind of that. But there was another element to it um, that kind of surrealist, weird, outside the wrestling world. It's stuff we've seen reflected since then with characters like Bray Wyatt. So, but but the WWE did not give him, I think, the freedom or the space to really launch that off. And, uh, you know, the, the, the mower of lawns thing, that was great. Sure. But I can see Matt wanting to fight for that creative control because of what he's done there. We got to see Team Extreme come back. That mania, that mania pop, that moment they had was huge. If you were there in Orlando, it blew the house off. One of the coolest things I've ever seen live, right? We got that. They came back and won the titles. And I really feel like at this point, you know, Jeff's kind of out there dealing with his personal issues. I don't know that there's much more I want to see from the Hardys right now in WWE, especially how they've been used down the stretch. I would love to see Matt go do that. Or let's take it to AEW, what they could do with him and and the the, the Dark Order. There's so much they could do over there with the broken character as well. Um, but yeah, Impact's an obvious home for this. I, I think it's time for Matt Hardy, though, to maybe pursue realms outside of WWE. <laughs> Other realms. Realms, uh, hey, yes. Yeah, see? Very good, good, yeah. Uh, no, AEW, I just think, would be a natural fit for him. You're, you know, Impact Wrestling, right? He had success there. They're looking for more things to kind of uh, bolster their ranks right now over there and, and help them kind of continue to break through over on Access TV. I could see him him working well there. Of course, you know, Big Money Matt, that was Ring of Honor. They could use a big thing right now, too. So sure. a lot of value out there for Matt Hardy. And again, I, I could see how he would be very enticed, like so many are, by the money, right? You, you get that guaranteed deal. Will you be creatively satiated? Can you, can you have faith that they're going to follow through on what you want to do after you really did kind of give it your all uh, once and they didn't see it through? It would be a tough sell for me, I guess is what I'm saying. And he doesn't need, I mean, a big money contract would be good. He doesn't really need that as much as he did once in the past. He's right. he's pretty comfortable now. He's been around for 20 years doing this or more, 20, 30 years, right? Yeah. But you mentioned that big money Matt gimmick. We also talk about broken a lot. I would love to see Matt do something different again. Does he go back to big money Matt? Does he create something else weird and creative and cool? And, you know, ultimately Matt Hardy is going to reside on a creative team somewhere once he is done in the ring. And I think that's where I'm most excited to see his brain put to work in the coming years. Yeah. Uh, well, let's uh, let's flip over here to uh, talk about a little bit about AEW and NXT. Uh, Showbuzz Daily reported the WWE NXT, which featured the fallout from Survivor Series and saw Team NXT dominate Raw and SmackDown, 
Well, they topped AEW Dynamite for the in viewership for the second week in a row. Uh, Dynamite on TNT did 663,000 viewers. NXT did 810,000 viewers. This is the lowest AEW viewership since the show launched on October 4th. The previous low was 789 on October 30th, so you know more than 100,000 less than their previous low. Uh, AEW, though, they did rank number 15 in the cable top 150 for the 18-49 to 49 demo, beating out NXT, which ranked it at 19. So in that coveted demo there, AEW still won. Uh, AEW, they were 38 in overall viewership, while NXT did beat them there being 29th in, in overall viewership. Now, it should also be noted, right, this is Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. A lot of people having family coming to town, going out and partying, any number of things. So you should take that into account. But what do you make of uh, these numbers here between Dynamite and NXT? You know, I think they're really good. Last week, I kind of gave a high number forgetting that it was the week of Thanksgiving, and I think my numbers were too optimistic. On a non-Thanksgiving week, I think you would see these numbers inflated by 15 20%, maybe. Right. And so I think that 810000 for NXT is killer. And I think in a normal week, that probably would have broken a million for them. Uh, the interesting thing here, again, being that they did beat NXT, I mean, beat AEW Dynamite. Not surprising to me, because as we pointed out, coming off a of Survivor Series, a lot of buzz around that show. This is the week you've got to sell it. And we're in a weird time of year for pro wrestling. People call this kind of the off season between Survivor Series and the Royal Rumble when, when Mania kind of kicks off. So wrestling is not hot, hot, hot right now. I think NXT and AEW are both putting on good products. So I, I think they can withstand, uh, withstand that a little bit, maybe sustain this momentum. Um, but I would like to see NXT at least get back up to 900,000 this week. I, I don't know. Uh, if they can do it or not, though, because, God, I mean, that's a pay-per-view week, and fans are tuning into other things and holiday specials right now. Yeah, well, you will see. You know, and again, this is really kind of up until, you know, we got Christmas here in a couple of weeks, which will throw off the, the viewership, I'm sure. We got a couple, we got a week or two here to really see how the numbers can hold up in, in non-holiday. You know, you're going to have some Monday, you're going to have some, uh, some other things, I should say, uh, to, to draw your attention, like you said. But I think this is going to be the lowest we'll see here for a little bit, at least until right around the holidays later in December. Until the Christmas special, which, yeah. you know, do an episode on Christmas for both these shows and let's see what they can pull out, right? I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I hope it does for the sake of the talent. Um, well, uh, NXT, um, let's go through the saga real fast, what happened with Moro Ronaldo here in the past five days. Uh, Observer reporting that as of uh, late last week, uh, Moro Ronaldo was said to be in really rough shape uh, following Corey Graves' tweets. And, of course, he Moro subsequently deleted his Twitter account. Um, he noted uh, Melter at the time noted it was a day-to-day -day thing. Um, but then it was noted by him that Graves, uh, oh wait, uh, it was also noted, I'm sorry, at the time by Meltzer that Graves is being viewed as the good guy in WWE internally over the situation. Uh, Pause. I mean, uh, you look again, what I said, what I thought happened here was Graves was playing in this Survivor Series stuff and didn't mean any ill will from it. And that seems to be exactly what happened here. And it just kind of spun out because of the target he chose. WWE thinks that he did what everybody else is doing. He handled it well. Good. Good call, good pop. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not honestly like, I'm not too hot with Graves over the situation. I can see how he misfired it. I feel very bad for Moro at the same time. Yeah, there, again, there's a little more history there, I think, is what taints it for me from Graves' perspective. I, I don't think we all need to be calling for Graves' head over this, right? But I do think that if you're going to do something like this to create controversy, promote your show, whatever it is, I think there's a way to do it where a guy like Ronaldo, who has struggled with some of these mental health concerns, right? There's a way to do it where you don't upset him and rock the boat too much. And I don't imagine Graves did much of that. It doesn't seem like here. So, but, but again, right. Pro wrestling is an industry where you promote yourself and you promote the show you're on and you promote the business and internally in WWE, 
That's what it looks like Graves did, so I can understand them thinking that he didn't do anything wrong. Uh, well, uh, Meltzer then updated uh, us on Ronaldo's status as of Sunday. He said he was doing better, and then uh, we got a word not long ago from Pro Wrestling Sheet that Ronaldo has informed WWE officials uh, via his agent, Frank Shamrock, that he's going to be returning to work this week. So it looks like we will see Moro in the booth tomorrow night. Get back to, to what he is, is good at or is enjoys doing. Do you think he calls it out? Do you think he says anything? I doubt it. I seriously, Romaro is a professional in every sense of the word, and, and he's great at what he does, but he would not bring this personal thing over to NXT unless they're going to do a follow-up storyline in WWE. Yeah, I agree. Uh, also, uh, of note, uh, coming out of NXT, uh, PWInsider.com reporting that even though Bobby Fish did look like he had his bell rung uh, during the uh, tag match he had uh, against Keith Lee and uh, Dominic Dijakovic on NXT, uh, he was walking around fine backstage. He looked to be okay. Uh, the Observer then reported shortly after that Fish appeared to have had a mild concussion, and uh, WWE finally stating here that Fish is currently not medically cleared to compete and is listed as day to day on the injured list. Now, uh, real quickly, just what happened was, you know, uh, Fish got thrown out of the ring. Um, he hit his head when he landed on the ground. They cut the commercial. They came back. Roderick Strong jumped in, replaced him in that tag match, and wrestled. It felt like 10, 15 minutes after, <laughs> and uh, mm -hmm. went on to win the belt. Man, uh, first of all. Good call on WWE and the officials here noticing that something was wrong with Fish and pulling him, right? Second, wow, Roderick Strong on in the in the on the fly, jumping in there and, and making this match work and, and doing and, and putting on the bat that he did. I'm very I'm very impressed. There was a lot to be impressed with, uh, both from the, the way I feel WWE handled it and, and the way that uh, that Roderick Strong jumped in and, and carried himself. Well, it's been the constant thing is concussions are such a big deal in all of sports. And, and I've had questions in, the, in recent years about how WWE has handled certain situations. And a, a thing like this happening and them reacting so quickly and being able to adapt gives me confidence that the right protocols are in place or are continuing to be implemented so that talent can be protected, which is the most important thing about anything like this, right? But yeah, Roderick Strong is a beast. That match was Dude. fantastic. Even with the switch out, yeah. that match felt seamless. And I think that's Dude. a testament to the production crew, uh, to the talent in the ring, to just everybody around this NXT product, and I love it. I was blown away. Because I, I watched NXT on a little bit of delay, so I kind of already knew what happened. And I was like, oh, I'm kind of real interested to see how, how Roddy hang, hanged in, uh, hung in that situation. And man, he was great. True testament I've, there. I mean, Nick, I mean, you know, we, we've both been watching the, the business for years, and we've seen this evolve. But this was a great way where they were able to look at it and adapt and say he's concussed. But I don't know what you do in the heat. You know, football, they get to walk over to the sideline and get checked out immediately. Pro wrestling's a weird sport where you don't have that luxury of a timeout necessarily all the time. And, right. and yeah, I don't know. I don't know that there was a better way to handle it other than trying to judge it from the back and say he looks like he's concussed. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you, you, again, the, the referee communicating with the talent, you know, you, you learn. It sounds like uh, ref for the medic on staff noticed signs and were able to pick up on it, cut the commercial, get him out of there, and <laughs> send in Roddy, right, um, is the understudy there. So, again, I was just very impressed with how the whole situation was handled, and, and I really hope Bobby's okay, you know. Um, Wait, the referee communicates with the talent? I thought the referee was there to, to block things like uh, closed fist punches, uh, and I thought the referees had to make sure there were eye gouging uh, or choking and things like that. Uh, uh, sure. <laughs> uh, the Observer, uh, also, lastly, you're coming out of NXT. Uh, NXT UK's Ila Dragunov uh, is reporting that he is out of commission with an injury right now. It's unknown what it is. 
but he'll be back uh, in action soon. Uh, so you're bringing up close fishes, fists and things like that. This brings us to our, our AEW block here. Uh, the Observer reporting the Maryland State Athletic Commission is reportedly investigating AEW over the unsanctioned Lights Out match between John Moxley and Kenny Omega that took place at Full Gear. Uh, former WCW announcer Chris Cruz apparently recently contacted the commission regarding the match and asked about their rules on blading and allowing matches to continue if a performer is bleeding, either intentionally or <laughs> unintentionally, and if there was a commission doctor at the show. Now, after repeated requests... Cruz was told that the commission prohibits wrestlers from deliberately lacerating themselves or their opponents or introducing human or animal blood into the match. The commission also said they were at full gear and they had a doctor assigned to the show. They also stated they were conducting a formal investigation into the match. And because of that investigation, they were unable to comment or question uh, comment on questions about the match. Cruz, by the way, has been very openly critical of AEW, and he does not think that the company will succeed. So I guess it sounds like he's poking the beer here a bit with the commission. But either way, you get you get to the statement here where you got the commission saying, we have an open investigation to AEW. I would like more clarification on this. Is this simply a review? Where are they at in the process of this? Because I remember that night in the scrums, Tony Khan being asked about the Maryland State Athletic Commission and whether or not there were any issues. And Tony, at the time, seemed to be like, no, it was cool. We think that they knew what we were getting into here. And at that moment in time, it did not seem like there were any issues. So this is still something I'm trying to get some more information about, but not, not good. Not good. Well, this is to give a little context to you guys who don't know that there are certain states where professional wrestling is still under the mandate of the State Athletic Commission. Maryland's one of those. I know Kentucky is. I don't know all the states off the top of my head, but if you go back five years, Impact Wrestling got into trouble because one of these states – uh, they did not have all of their wrestlers licensed to work in that state under the athletic commission. And they had to cancel a show, if I remember, or, or change it dramatically. Sure. So uh, there are certain states where this does happen. And it feels very weird because mm -hmm. this seems like it's a, a throwback to when wrestling was a – people thought wrestling was a shoot. And so they would manage it like they would all other sporting contests, right? But here in 2019, where you know that wrestling is a work, and, and of course these guys do take very serious risk in the ring, it's still not a, a – actual athletic competition that should be managed um, by an athletic commission. So if you look at this whole list, though, this is where it gets crazy to me that we're even talking about this, because to show you how much of a shoot this is treated like by these athletic commissions, things like, like I mentioned earlier, scratching or gouging the opponent, striking an opponent with a fist or knuckles, right. slamming an opponent into a ring post, and so on and so forth, kicking an opponent, unless I recognize move, all these crazy things that wrestlers do to kind of sell the moment— they are prohibited by these athletic commissions. So I don't know. Uh, it seems like Christopher Cruz here is just trying to validate his own opinion and get AEW into some hot water. Um, at the very least, this seems like the most ridiculous story of the week. And I can't imagine anything is seriously going to come of this. I can't either. I cannot imagine anything seriously going to come of this uh, at all. Though I will say I am in favor of some regulation for independent pro wrestling. I think that it would be nice if you were to run a wrestling show and be required to, I don't know, have a doctor there, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there are little, there are some things I think that would maybe make for a safer and more uh, professional, independent environment sometimes because, you know, right now it's like a, <laughs> outlaw mud show a lot of places right so well and i'm not against regulation at all don't hear that i think it's funny that we're regulating the kind of moves they're doing inside the ring as though it is a 
competition. Sure. But yeah, to, you're right. We we need to have doctors there. We need to have certain health codes in place to make sure the talent are capable to go out there and compete, uh, just like you would with any other kind of performance where you got to do you know medical I, background checks, things like that. I would I would also like to see uh, certifications for ring crews and uh, ring mm. uh, the ring itself. Right. Mm. I think there would be nice for that. So small things. And again, you weed it. And I'm not saying you need to do fifteen thousand dollars to get your promoter's license or anything like that. But, yeah, put a, you have to have some money in the game to cover the basics of producing a quality wrestling program in order to run one. And if you're not going to do that, you're creating an unsafe work environment. We should probably not be uh, not be allowing that. So anyway, I'll step off my soapbox here. <laughs> All right. Uh over to AEW Dynamite, uh, coming out of the show, other than these investigations, I guess, uh, the Butcher, the Bunny, and the Blade debuted. They took out Cody Rhodes. I'm a big fan of the Butcher and the Blade. I had no idea they were going to debut and be there. I thought it was very cool. Um, I thought that this was great. I think the addition of Allie here as the Bunny looks good. I I'm intrigued by this trio. Love it. I love them taking out Cody Rhodes. Cody needs something moving forward after losing his shot at doing any more future world title shots. So um, I think it's a great spot for him. It, it puts these guys in a high profile debut, which I love. But I think Jim Ross here was the weak spot for me. And, and yeah. I think the announced team just they need to work out some stuff like this to make sure the audience at home understands the gravity of it. Yeah. Well, and I didn't I didn't get to hear the comment because it was in Chicago. So I was at right. the show. And, uh, yeah, I didn't hear that. I heard about it, I should say, but I didn't hear the commentary. I haven't gone back and watched the episode. Uh, but I will say that Cody Rhodes, his opponent on that show, uh, was Matt Nix, who founded Freelance Wrestling here in Chicago. Uh, great reaction for Nix, and he'll be on the show tomorrow talking about his experience wrestling Cody Rhodes. So I thought I'd put that oh, over here awesome. right now. Uh, John Moxley also ended the show staring down Chris Jericho after he defeated Scorpio Sky in the main event. Uh, on that note, to wit, uh, we had been talking last week about Joey Janela. He went on Twitter, fired, tweet deleted, how he was upset with AEW. He wasn't going to get on the flight, wasn't going to come to the show. He showed up at GCW's Chopper in the Ghetto on Wednesday night uh, at the same time AEW Dynamite was going on and accepted John Moxley's open challenge. And that match has been confirmed. Will happen next week. And uh, looks like, I don't know, a shoot turned into work, worked the whole time. Who knows? That's the magic of pro wrestling. But the, the match here is on. And they did it in a very unique way here, allowing Moxley to answer that challenge at a GCW show during dynamite complicated yeah this is this is a weird kind of series of events and i i so are they going to wrestle on a wednesday night as well or what's what's the deal with this moxley, this is, match? moxley and janela is confirmed for this wednesday on dynamite they're going to wrestle in a normal match not an unsanctioned gotcha. match and then i would th i mean i look moxley stared down jericho so i don't think janela is going to pick up a win here so i don't know yeah, it seems a little bit more like it is a work turned into a shoot, and I don't know what the end game here for Janela is other than to put him in a high-profile match. Moxley and Jericho is your money feud moving forward, and I, I think Moxley could be the guy to unseat Jericho. He came in with so much momentum. I mean, if you remember, um, back at Double or Nothing, his appearance, which was, of course, a shock and a surprise to all of us, upended Adam Page, and I would argue, right, Adam Page had so much momentum behind him before that, I think moxley overtook some of that with his big debut so moxley's the guy him and jericho the money feud here i think moxley could be your next world champion um the janela thing is just a weird thing to toss in here if it's not uh, yeah i want to see where that goes you yeah because it's like i don't see janela picking up the big victory here over moxley on his right. road to facing jericho so it's like janela's tweet about how he felt like he was losing momentum resulted in him getting this high profile match that i feel he is destined to lose that's so that's weird to me just weird. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I was like, are, are we doing it on this on dynamite or is this some kind of independent thing we're going to pick up somewhere else like this? Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. Just, I don't know. Just maybe to, there's going to be a big run-in or debut that interrupts the match, and Janela can move on to that. Who knows? Maybe Janela joins the inner circle, right? Yeah. The bad boy with Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. Who knows? That could go away. That's but, already Sammy Guevara's part, right? No, he's the, he's the Spanish god. It's different. Well, he's kind of like a yeah, I guess you're right. Well, you know, I can use a bad boy and a Spanish guy. I, look, <laughs> very different physiques with Janela and Sammy Guevara. So, uh, but yeah, who knows? Who knows where this is going? But that's that's how that all played out. Um, and by the way, also Scorpio Sky, the man that Chris Jericho took on in the main event, he'll be on the show tomorrow too. We're gonna have Scorpio and Matt Nix here tomorrow on the show. It's a big show tomorrow. Tune back in. Um, Scorpio Sky looked great Wednesday night too. Just want to call that out. Anything you want me to ask him on your behalf? I'm interviewing him in a couple hours. You know, I'm just really curious what he like. What is his future like? I know he's he's where he is right now in the company, tag team titles, all that jazz. But where does he want to go next? What's next for him? It's true. Good question. I'll ask it. Um, Sheamus, uh, he he had a vignette on SmackDown this past Friday night, confirming his return to action. He'll be taking on people over on the Blue Brand. I like that his hair is back to the old school Sheamus haircut. I think he'll be great. Yep, he'll be great. Yep, uh, he, he he's gonna yeah, well, treat him like. The monster that he is, a big dude who can go in the ring, who should take out everybody and challenge Bray Wyatt. Yeah, he's, he's gonna be great. You know, and that's the thing is Bray's gonna. I mean, look through Mania. I don't know how long he'll hold this title, but you're gonna need some top tier people for him to work with and, and be convincing. And I didn't even really thought about it, but Sheamus could actually absolutely fill that void. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, somebody who's not going to be showcased in the main event picture here anytime soon. The Wrestling Observer reporting that current WWE champion Brock Lesnar. Currently on hiatus from WWE shortly after winning the uh, WWE championship. <laughs> he uh, likely is going to be out uh, until sometime around January 2020. His next official announced date isn't until the Royal Rumble on January 26. So maybe shortly before that, but good to be Brock, right? And, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't really have an issue with this because we have a champion right now in The Fiend. I guess it creates an issue over on Raw where, you, you know, the secondary title becomes a top title or whatever like that. But this really does clear the way for The Fiend to define himself as WWE's champion right now uh, with Brock completely out of the picture, which I do see is somewhat of a benefit. I, I think that absolutely does help. But I also think it is reflected on Raw where, you know, right now in Raw, they're, they're kind of meandering a little bit with their storytelling, especially in the main event picture. I know we got Seth Rollins doing his thing, but there's not as much purpose behind it. That's where it does hurt. And you think about wrestling in terms of decades. I absolutely think that, you know, the Attitude Era in the 90s and the 2000s, we saw the coming of age of John Cena and Randy Orton, that whole group. The 2010s have been defined for me by the absentee champion Brock Lesnar because it seems like every year we get these long gaps with him. And I'm just a little bit over that aspect of him being champion. Um, then we'll move along here to uh, Jerry Lawler. Uh, he revealed a galaxy con that he has signed a new three year contract with WWE. Uh, he signed that earlier, uh, this uh, month, I believe not this year. I wrote that down wrong. Uh, Lawler also said he didn't, uh, didn't know how long he's going to be on the raw announced team, uh, which has been the case since he was put on the team with Vic and Dio Madden last month. Uh, Lawler reiterated that at the convention, how his raw announced team role was not meant to be long-term. The idea was that Lawler would bring a veteran presence to the team since Joseph is still fairly new to the bigger stage and Dio Madden had never really announced before. Uh, the Observer reporting that there's no word yet on who will eventually take Lawler's role or if they still have anyone in mind. Uh, uh, let's call out the elephant in the room here. Samoa Joe was on commentary last night on Raw. And I thought he brought a whole lot to that show. He was fant- He's fantastic in that role. Yeah, Joe is, is tailor-made to move into something like that once he decides he was 
done being a competitor, much oh like Booker God. T before him. And Taz, Taz, he reminded me a lot of Taz with that kind of street-level credibility, but yeah. the ability to also communicate with the audience. 100%. Um, and, and I love that. 100%. 100%. And I don't know. I mean, Dio Madden, are, are we all going to continue to are we all going to continue to pretend that he's selling this Brock Lesnar F5 through the table? I feel like this guy's done so. I don't know. My, my, my gut says out of sight, out of mind this long. You know, you're back to NXT or developmental. Well, yeah, I, I think everybody has kind of forgotten about him, which is unfortunate. And I like Dio Madden. I think what's going to be interesting is do they move Lawler off of that announced team at some point because Dio Madden could fall right back in there. And, and Lawler adds a ton. Don't get me wrong. He adds a ton. But there are times where his lack of knowledge kind of shows back up or, or the things he says sometimes are a little bit not what I would consider 2019 ready. And so I'm glad he's out there helping out the younger announced team. But I would like to see that role moved over to somebody else at some point in the future. I would rather have Samoa Joe in there than Dio Madden. And I would not be upset at all with Vic Joseph, Samoa Joe. And I know yes. that Joe, uh, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know health wise uh, w what he's like at this point. Maybe there's a reason they're giving him this role at this moment, but it, uh, it's worth noting that Jerry Lawler was given the color commentary role while he very much could still wrestle and has openly talked about how he kind of accepted the role one week and it led to another week. It led to a couple of years, turned decades. <laughs> and like he, uh, he only got the one WrestleMania match, you know, with Michael Cole. So, uh, you know, he kind of talked about how he would have preferred maybe to have waited uh, on making that leap, but it's not unprecedented for somebody to find themselves in that role that, can still wrestle, I guess. Is what and I'm it saying. does open up some new storytelling possibilities, right? I mean, you talk about Dio Madden taking that spot with Brock Lesnar a while back. Somebody like Samoa Joe being able to stand up for Vic Madden or, or kind of stand up for the audience at times, like that yeah. that does create a cool dynamic. Yeah, I, I just thought he was great in the role. He had so much credibility. That Eric Young match, ugh. He would it would have been nothing if he had not put over how Eric Young was a journeyman and it's been so many years and he'd fought with him in the ring and how he always lived up to his potential every every promotion he was ever with. It was great. It was good stuff. I really yep. appreciated it. Um, PWInsider.com reporting that on November 26th, Luke Harper filed to trademark his indie ring name, Brody Lee. As noted, Harper requested his release early this year, but WWE added another six months to his contract for the time he missed for wrist surgery, keeping him with the company until early 2020. Uh, Harper has made a couple of appearances for WWE in September and October, but it looks like he, much like Hardy, could uh, be on the way out the door here at the top of the year. Yeah, I, I think Brody Lee is going to go places and do things. Like this dude, I understand WWE kind of being a little bit punitive here, using him uh, weekly, or, or weekly not as in every week, but as in very poorly. <laughs> um, but I, I think that once he gets out there on the independent scene, this dude has so much potential, and I'm excited to see him break free early next year. And also in the world of trademarks, uh, WWE couple Charlotte Flair and Andrade recently filed to trademark uh, their try to trademark names with the uh, United States Patent and Trademark Office. Uh, these are names that are not owned by WWE. Uh, Flair filed for the trademark to the Queen of Wrestling and Ashley Flair for merchandise and entertainment uses. Uh, Andrade, he filed the trademark El Idolo and La Sombra, which was, of course, the name he used in Mexico before coming to WWE, for similar uses. Uh, so not that everybody's... I don't want anybody to feel like everybody's jumping off everywhere, but it is smart, I think, for these talents as independent contractors to go out there, own a piece of the, the, the character they're creating... And uh, this is becoming so much more prevalent. I, I didn't see these many trademark stories, I feel, even just a few years ago. I feel like everybody is just checking the, checking the trademark sheets every night, seeing what they can get and capitalize on. 
Well, I think they've learned that WWE is going to own that brand. And if you want to continue to be successful and make money outside of that, and you can still make money, but if you want to make the bigger money and take that name recognition with you, you've got to do it while you have the chance and you're still under that umbrella. You know, Charlotte, I don't believe she's going anywhere. She's no. been used fantastically in her run with the company. However, things can change, as we know, at the drop of a dime. And I yeah. think it's incredibly smart to do this if you're a talent. I agree. Um, the Observer reporting that the awkward spots in the Survivor Series a women's triple threat main event came as a surprise because the match was heavily worked on and practiced ahead of time. The match apparently got so bad. How bad was it? That Vince was said <laughs> to be really mad about it as it was happening. There was a rumor going around that said Vince was so mad. How mad was he? <laughs> that during the match that he was telling the referee high spots for Talis to do, but sources at WWE I've only told the Observer that McMahon was mad, and he had every right to be. They did deny the story about Vince sending quote-unquote high spots to the ref as the match was going on. Now, regarding Shayna Baszler, her push was the idea behind the match and really the entire angle. The original plan apparently was for Baszler uh, to have her on the main roster in 2020. No word yet on if that is still the plan. Uh, though she did look good on NXT this past week. Um, and, man, yeah, that's... Mm. Not how I want to end my night coming through the curtain in the main event and Vince McMahon is just blistering mad. That's, that's certainly not what I would like. Well, I think it's the unfortunate side effect of this NXT angle, which is that so many talents got over, but I think it also... I think it spotlighted some some deficiencies in certain talent, and I think Baszler has a lot of potential. I think that in NXT, she's been very protected, and that's let her shine a little bit more with the championship and everything. But I think out in the main stage with the bright lights on, as Matt Morgan would say, I don't think she's looked quite as good. And I think she's even been upstaged by some of her peers like Rhea Ripley. So unfortunately this happens in the world of professional wrestling. And that's why it's every night you've got to bring your best self. And that did not happen for her on, on Sunday night of survivor series last week. So, um, I don't know what happens moving forward. I don't think she's going to be brought up maybe quite as quickly. And I would be surprised if she's the NXT champion after the next pay-per-view. Uh, Wrestling Observer reporting that EC3 is currently out of uh, currently out of action with a concussion. Uh, he suffered it sometime toward the end of September, uh, and it's worth noting that he is still listed as a member of the Raw roster. Uh, lots of potential there. Very sad to hear he's injured and sitting it out right now. But they weren't really doing anything with him. You know, maybe this is a chance when he does get cleared up to come back and try. But they they haven't even, they never tried with him. I'm still no. baffled about how little they did. Especially, I thought he had some good buzz going down and. NXT, though they didn't really use him as a wrestler much in NXT, just really bizarre. He had a lot of, he had so much momentum coming in. I think they moved him up too quickly, too, because he did have a couple of good matches down there, and he was involved in the NXT North American Championship debut. And, and so the fans recognized him. I think him going back to NXT is the best possible thing for him. He could have a great run as NXT champion. He would be a different kind of champion than we've had down there. Agreed. And I think that'd be so cool to see this kind of this prestige champion coming out there, defending it against all of these really great grapplers. Uh, so that's that's where he can kind of go back down there and shine back yeah. up a little bit. And I think there's no shame in that. I think NXT's hot right now. Like, let's do it. I know that Drake Maverick seems to have found some kind of weird, like, puck type role on Raw where he's always just kind of causing mischief in the 24-7 or trying to <laughs> trying to get it on with Dana Brooke, who we'll talk about here in just a second. That but, uh, puck type role, I like that. Nick. That's good. He That's is. Good. He is, right? Uh, yep. This is a Shakespeare reference for all you nerds out there. Um, I do think that him and EC3, though, together in NXT, like if you're going to, I think you're right. I think EC3 would be a great different kind of champion. But man, I, I love his chemistry with, with Drake. And uh, I would love to see those two paired up down in NXT. Actually, I didn't even really thought about it. But now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, mm, I like that mm. idea. Mm, good. Good thought. 
Uh, let's talk about Dana Brooke. Hey, uh, I didn't put, I didn't copy paste all the tweets into my run sheet here because <laughs> just felt weird. But uh, well, that's going to be your follow up book. We're going to release like a love story book, right? That's what I, I guess. <laughs> Batista, Dana Brooke, they're flirting on Twitter. It's a thing. These two, they're blossoming lovebirds. What do you make? <laughs> what do you make of da- Big Dave and Dana Brooke here? I love it. I can't wait until they do some kind of appearance together, right? I think they're just having fun with the WWE fans. And some of these tweets too, man, they are so funny and and they're risque, like talking about squats and thighs. And um, it's, it's just, you know, I think it's two people having fun together and it's good for Dana Brooke. Batista, big name, right? He's out there. He can do whatever he wants to. Dana Brooke, People like her. It seems like she is a positive person. And I'm glad to see her getting some more positive recognition just by doing this tweet back and forth with Batista. That's cool. It was interesting because I they did the segment with Drake Maverick and Dana, right? And he kind of got involved in all the Twitter stuff too, uh, making his taking his shot uh, at Dana, even though he just got married. Although I guess they I don't right. know if he still had sex with his wife or whatever. So um, <laughs> not been consummated yet. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, and then she turns him down, right? Afterwards, Corey Graves said something like, oh, yeah, might have to be hearing from Big Dave over that one, right? He kind of made an allusion to it. And it got me thinking, <laughs> I was like, you know, if you were going to bring Dave back, uh, you know, Batista back for one more match, and I know he said that the last match was his last match or whatever, but, you know, whatever, he's still famous, he's in very good shape. If you're going to bring him back for one more match, somebody coaxed him into a match by doing something to Dana, oh, the fans would have a field day, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a great way to use them. It would be it'd be really effective. Uh, I don't exactly know how it would play out. Tweet me your ideas. But yeah, somebody trying to get get at Dana and Dave has to come in and defend her honor. Ugh. Crazy. Even just for like a one night appearance, that would be a, just a fun thing to do. Sure. Unsanctioned match, right? You can do an unsanctioned match. <laughs> just not in Maryland. Turn turn the lights off. Yeah, don't do it in Maryland. Oh geez. <laughs> Chris Cruz call him. All right. Um Dave Sahati, uh, he's announced that he's going to be returning to work for Impact Wrestling full-time. Now, who's Dave Sahati? Uh, he's a, a former WWE creative director. He was there from 92 to 2003. Uh, very well-liked. Uh, and He moved over then to Impact Wrestling. And in December 17, 2017, he was released. Uh, he had worked with them since uh, March of t- 2006. So he'd been with them 11 years, just like he was with WWE. Uh, his re- exit was reportedly due to cost-cutting measures at the time. Uh, when Anthem had just come in and kind of stripped it down and have since moved on to, to build it back up, which seems to have, seem to have worked. So now that they've built it up this way, they're, they're bringing back Dave Sahadi. He's very excited to be there. He worked with MLW briefly at the top of the year. Uh, this is a great, uh, a great hire for them, though. Uh, he did tweet this out. He said, in 2020, Impact Wrestling is going to give wrestling fans something they've long desired and something AEW promised but never delivered. <laughs> Change. <laughs> Wow. That's good. You know, do you want to come in and take that shot? Is that the first thing you want to do? I don't know. Oh. I don't Man, know. yes, you do. Like we've talked, you gotta be, you gotta treat yourself like you're the biggest dog in the yard. I or something agree. Like this. I agree. You know, maybe I, you know what? I do. I agree. And this man was the creative director for WWE for 11 years through their heights of the company comes in. He's like, you're all, you're all weak. Say what we're all, say what we're all thinking here. These guys suck. We're better. <laughs> and he spent time with, with impact. Um, you know, uh, when when they were kind of having their thing. So I, I like this. I like these guys who have done time in kind of all the big companies and they can bring that wealth of experience and try to make it, you know, make it real for the talent there in 2020. Talking about a wealth of experience and knowledge, let's talk about the Sandman for a second. Jordan Grace tweeted out the following uh, over the weekend. Hey, remember that time that the Sandman 
came up to four women about to main event to tell us that women main eventing is quote unquote wrong and quote unquote any male wrestler with any sort of experience would agree. What is this? Was this in 1998? No, it was tonight, December 2019. There's been a lot more that spun out of this. I believe Taya was back. Tessa was back. These are top women right now in, in, in women's wrestling. Sandman said this. You know, it's. I guess it was made a pretty big deal backstage. Tessa Blanchard called it out in the ring. Um, if this is, I would, I, this doesn't appear to be any kind of a work here. Very unfortunate because I actually really like Sandman, and it bums me out to hear that he would say something like this. I would hope. Yeah. He would not, but what are you going to do? You know, Sandman's gets gets huge reactions everywhere he goes. Still, he's got that name recognition. This was at WrestleCade. WrestleCade was doing their. Uh, they've been around for years. They were kind of the precursor to things like uh, Starcast, the fan convention that was really big over Thanksgiving weekend. They were there before Starcade came back in WWE. So WrestleCade's been running now for I think going on a decade, and this is the first time in my memory that they've done a a women's main event. So this was a big deal for this show, and for Sandman to degrade it like this, I think is rather unfortunate uh so you know don't say things like that that are stupid and outdated all right and last but not least here uh impact wrestling star brian cage he posted a photo with kenny omega on twitter and teased fans he said who you got where do you want to see it why and how soon now it should be noted that brian cage and triple h mega champion kenny omega were both recently at triple a's or lucha libre triple a's triple mania regia so this match i mean look Don Callis, this is not a guy he's teased it in the past. I'm friendly with these guys here. Triple A. Brian Cage has got a relationship there. Anything can happen. I wouldn't be surprised to see these two share a ring. And I think it would just, I don't care who wins. I think we all win in that one. This would be a great match. These guys are both, you know, we talk about Brian Cage. He's come up so much since being with Impact and such a big spotlight's been put on him. And I think he's done great with it. Kenny Omega, that great style. I would love to see these two guys go at it. And I would love to see AEW versus Impact kind of like built into this in some way. It would be fantastic. And good for Brian Cage here, kind of putting his name out there and getting the, the buzz off of this. I would do AEW and Impact both getting in on it and supporting their guy, but I would do it in AAA. It's like it's neutral ground, right? And that way it kind of feels still a little taboo. Like, you're not, we're not doing it on Dynamite. We're not going to do it on Impact. We're going to do it at AAA, and we're going to let these two go at it, you know? Well, it's the thing that I've wanted from AEW that they did before they actually launched their weekly TV show, which is lean into the independents a little bit more. Do some stuff like this outside of AEW, because I think it makes your promotion feel more like it's for everybody and not just for your guys in the AEW locker room. I am here with one of the biggest MMA superstars in the history of the business, former UFC light heavyweight champion and UFC Hall of Famer, Tito Ortiz. Tito, how are you doing? Doing wonderful, man. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well myself. Uh, you got a big fight coming up December 7th at the first ever Combate Americas pay-per-view at the Payne Arena in Hidalgo, Texas. You'll be facing a man that many of our listeners and viewers know very well, uh, former WWE champion Alberto Del Rio. Uh, how is your training going for the fight that's coming up? It's a little over a month away. Uh, really, really good. You know, I'm uh, just finishing up uh, week 15. Um, and it's been, I got to knock on wood real quick. <laughs> it's been pretty much uh, scave free. I've been putting in some really, really serious work. Uh, you know, I, I started uh, right after the 4th of July. And I haven't really stopped. There's been a couple of days here and there that I've been able to take off because I started my camp so early. But uh, I learned this uh, before my last fight that, you know, let's get in shape for the fight and not try to get in shape during the fight. 
uh, until it comes up. And having a pre-camp actually helps because our shape is phenomenal. Um, almost ready for war. You know, I'm about 90% right now. I got another three and a half more weeks. Uh, and then I can have a little chill where I'm not going so hard. It's more, mostly just cutting the weight and just keeping uh, the, uh, my tools sharp. Um, but uh, camp's been good, man. I mean, uh, wrestling with the kids at uh, the junior college right by my house. So, you know, they're 19, 20, 20-year-old 20 kids who are ranked in the state at my weight class. Um we're really, really tough. Of course, flying with my sparring partners, uh, Jay Silva, uh, Rafael Davis. Um, it, it's just, uh, I've been grinding, man, putting in the work, you know, training four times a day, five days a week, twice on Saturdays, and I get to take off on Sunday. Uh, you're, you're clearly uh, going to be uh, very well prepared for this fight, and you're also very confident. Now, you had said that you would donate $50,000 to a charity at Del Rio's choosing if he gets past the first round. Uh, this is Del Rio's fight, first fight in nine years, but he does have a real record, and he's had some impressive victories in the past. What are some of Del Rio's strengths uh, from his previous fights that you've seen uh, that are, that have impressed you? Um, you know, I think his Greco-Roman wrestling. Um, I watch his throws, I watch his submissions, and that's something I got to watch out for. Um, striking is something that he is not is in his forte. Um, which is something that I've used my strengths over the last uh, six to seven years is my striking, but my submissions, I even got better also. So um, I think he's bit off a little more than he could chew for this fight, but I got to stay focused as I have uh, over the last uh, 14 and a half weeks. I just got to make sure I continue doing what I'm doing, keep grinding uh, on the stone, I'm sharpening my tools and getting ready for this fight. Alberto is just, uh, he's a bigger guy, he's bigger than I expected. You know, when I go to face-off, I'm like, wow, this is a really big guy. Uh, I've watched his wrestling. I watched him move around with uh, was it Ryan Bader, who's a heavyweight world champion, light heavyweight world champion for uh, Bellator. So he's training with some great guys with C.D. Dalloway and Ryan Bader. He's doing the right stuff with the right guys. Uh, but let's see if that could really portray in the octagon, when he, or excuse me, in the cage when he fights me. Um I'm, I'm not worried of what he can bring to me. I'm just, uh, he needs to worry about what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be vicious, and I'm going to be the first to get off. I'm going to be the first to push the pressure. You know, I don't think he's ever had pressure the way he, uh, he's going to have pressure against me. You know, I'm not a crow cop that kicks and punches, uh, but when it comes down to it, I will kick and punch. But I will wrestle, and I will do submissions, and I will do ground and pound. Uh, I will bring this fight where I wanted to get. Well, I, well, I want it to be so I get my hand raised. I think uh, just make it interesting for that first five minutes uh, and making sure I get him out by the first round. Now, you have you have your, obviously, clearly, you have your UFC Light Heavyweight Championship uh, in your possession. Alberto Del Rio has his WWE Championship. And you guys have agreed to put those belts on the line in this fight. Uh, who came up with that idea, and, and what made you um, decide that uh, you would agree to that? Because that is a very... Uh, 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 a valuable item. Um, I came up with the idea because you got to understand, I I got into wrestling when I was in high school because of WWF, which is WWE now. I wanted to be a professional wrestler. I've always wanted to be a professional wrestler. Um, and I walked in the wrestling room in high school and I was like, where's the ring at? They're like, no, 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 no. This is a totally <laughs> different type of wrestling. This is, this is amateur wrestling. This is wrestling you see in the Olympics. This is wrestling you see in college, high school. This is, Real wrestling. I was like, okay. But like, well, you get points if you throw the guy in the head. I go, oh, I'm in. I'm all in. 
Um, I started wrestling my freshman year, and I was still a WWE fan. You know, I mean, the likes of Hulk Hogan, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, you know, uh, Macho Man, Randy Savage, Tito Santana, um, all the way up to, to now, uh, Braun Strowman. I mean, all these guys that compete now, I, Brock Lesnar, I, I'm still fans of him. I'm still that, that kid in my mind is like, you know, what if you were ever a heavyweight WWE world champion? That question has always been set in my mind. Well, here's an opportunity to beat somebody who's been a heavyweight uh, WWE world champion. I was a UFC five-time defending light heavyweight world champion, so let's put our belts on the line. We worked our butts off to get those belts. We have the right to do what we want with those belts. So I would like to add that belt to my mantle. And I think my kids would love it, too. But my kids are huge fans of the WWE. And I think it was just a good sell. I thought it, meant, it made a lot of sense. And uh, he was in for it. I'm in for it. Uh, come out to America, we're all about it. So I think the fans are all about it. Uh, I would love to be a WWE heavyweight uh, world champ. At least have the belt. At least have the rec- recognition of uh, being somebody who was the champion. And uh, I'm going to do that on December 7th. <laughs> what were your? Uh, I didn't realize that you you still followed wrestling today. Um, what were your thoughts on Alberto Del Rio as a pro wrestler? You know, I uh, I, I liked it just the fact that he was the uh, became a heavyweight world champion, the first heavyweight Mexican world champion. And it was just you know I was the first um, American Mexican uh, UFC champion, and as I watched his career, it was uh, it was interesting. You know he. He was cocky. Um, he did a lot of submissions, and so it just always brought an interest to it. And now he called me out, and he wants to come to my world, and he wants to fight me. So I got to watch myself. Like I say, man, I, I, I make sure my camp was early. I make sure I do, I'm doing the work. This is not a gimme fight to me in my heart. To me, I'm taking this seriously, and I respect Alberto for choosing me. Um, he could have chose anybody else for an easier fight, but he chose me. And I think maybe, yes, he did bite off a little more than he could chew. Um, but at the end of the day, we're going to put on a tremendous fight on December 7th. And I know what I need to do to get my hand raised. Now, uh, people have been trying to get Del Rio to fight for a long time. Uh, how do you think Combate America has finally made this fight happen? Well, I'm, I'm, I don't know. For me, you don't really got to wave a big giant carrot in front of my face for it. So that didn't work for me. Uh I don't know. Maybe he just, uh, in deep down in his heart, he, he, he really is a fighter and he really wants to fight, you know. Um, same thing as Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar went to the UFC and became a heavyweight world champion. Uh, he had it in his heart and he believed that he could do it and he did it. And I think Alberto Rio has always had that question in his mind is if he could compete with, with a person at the level of, of myself. And um, this is a question for him now, you know. Can he compete against me? And he's going to have this opportunity. Um, I just, uh, I don't know, I'd say I'm not looking past the guy. I'm not saying this is a gimme fight. As I said once again, I, I just, I want to make sure that I put on uh entertaining night and show the hard work and dedication I put in for this fight like I do every one of my fights. Um, I just think, you know, at the end of the day, the fans are going to be excited. They're going to they're feel some real uh intense uh, emotions before this fight when we walk out. When we step in that cage, we're looking across uh, the cage from each other and referee says, let's get it on. And I can't wait. You know, This is going to be like watching Discovery Channel and watching the lion eat for the first time of the year.
now you had mentioned Lesnar. Um, right now, the, the the crossover between MMA and 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 pro wrestling is it's insane. You had you have Lesnar, who's the WWE champion. Uh, you had Cain Velasquez making his uh, WWE debut last week, facing Lesnar. Uh, did you get a chance to watch that match? I didn't. I got to see a little bit of the highlights. Um, I, I I didn't get an opportunity just because I was at the Marine Ball uh, for the Wounded Warrior uh, Battalion here on you know, the uh, West Battalion here in California. I'm a huge supporter of our troops, so I didn't get an opportunity to watch it. But uh, some of my friends told me a few things about it, and uh, they said it was it was interesting. I think Kane is still a little green behind the ears uh, when it comes to professional wrestling. Um, I guess he got to win the fall a little more. I know Brock is just a monster, but uh, I didn't get an opportunity to, to watch the uh, match itself. Though. Gotcha. Yeah, right now, um, in addition to that, you have uh, Phil Baroni, uh, who's who's been trying his hand at pro wrestling. Stefan Bonner, your your old friend, uh, uh, Matt Riddle, and Ken Shamrock, who's going to be cha- uh, challenging for the Impact World Championship this weekend. Um, and Shamrock actually had a lot of uh, your your feud with Shamrock uh, is what got me into MMA. Uh, I, it it made me a big fan, and he was very complimentary about you and and your career and how it's been going. And and really, since you retired and came back, you, you've won four of your last five. Now, if you were to defeat Del Rio, uh, as you are clearly you know as you are expecting, would you return the favor and face him in a wrestling match? Um, I would do the favor and do it in a wrestling match, one hundred percent. You don't understand. I'm a huge wrestling fan. Not only a wrestling fan, I've always wanted to be a professional wrestler, just because I know I could smash guys. I don't think guys would last that long with me. Um, as far as the acrobats and everything, I could pull these things off. I could do these things. I know the moves. I've done the moves. I I put myself through camps before uh, with professional wrestlers. I understand the 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 ideas that these guys want to entertain. I do get that. But I'm a competitive person. I'm a vicious person. How do I perceive the difference between a, a fight and a wrestling match? That's what I'm afraid of. And I think uh, Shane McMahon is afraid of that same thing because he doesn't want to get into the wrestler's hurt. And that's one of the reasons why I haven't been able to cross over. But when I do cross over, I think it'll be one of the biggest uh, electrifying entertainment nights in professional wrestling history. And and is that something you expect to do? Paul Heyman has said in the past that if he could, you know, uh, before he was with, back with WWE, right now he's the head, uh, the executive director of Raw, he had said in the past, like, you would be one of the guys he would want to recruit into pro wrestling. Uh, clearly, you got the look, the charisma. Uh, you you definitely must have had talks with WWE in the past, right? Um, I did. You know, it was back in 2000. 2003, I believe it was in Seattle at uh, WrestleMania. Um, it was Stone Cold Steve Austin versus uh, The Rock. And uh, they brought me backstage, and I was kind of still in awe of the fact that uh, The Rock was there, and Stone Cold was there, and uh, The Rock was there. And I was more of a fan than having my attitude as the fighter. And they put me on the mic with, uh, I believe it was. Uh, um, God, who is it? Uh, the Bronx Brawler? Is that correct? Uh, the Brooklyn Brawler? Um, Brooklyn Brawler. There we go. <laughs> and uh, I had a little interview with him, and I, I think he caught me off guard. I was uh, a very polite, politically correct uh, person, as I am outside of the cage, as always <laughs> I am. Um, 
And I think I didn't catch their attention good enough. If I would have understood that there was a chance to kind of get my foot in the door as a pro wrestler, I think I would have been a lot over, the, lot more over the top how my character is when I fight. Um, but I got an opportunity to do it uh, with TNA Wrestling, um, with AJ Styles, and uh, who was uh, the other um, the other person uh, that I was with. Uh, and I, I was the referee for it. Uh, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. Jeff Jarrett Jeff my butt for this one. But it was Jeff Jarrett and AJ Styles. And uh, the reason I keep forgetting uh, Jeff Jarrett's name is because I punched him in his face and I really <laughs> punched him and knocked him out. And then AJ Styles got the match, won the belt, became the champion that night. But uh, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I loved it a lot. Uh, then I got another opportunity with uh, TNA Wrestling. The whole Hogan was with them, thanks to Dick, uh, Dixie Carter. And uh, I got an opportunity to talk with the Hulk uh, for probably about a good two hours. And the similarities uh, in our personalities were really, really almost exact. It was a very warm, comforting feeling just to talk with uh, Hogan for the time I did. He was a great man. He, after a few of the conversation, I mean, after a few, a little bit of the time we had a conversation with each other, he was just like, brother, you did wonderful in the sport if you ever competed. And it just put a spark in my brain. It was like, wow, that could have been an opportunity. Maybe that opportunity still has a factor for my future. I never know. Um, this last weekend, I watched uh, uh, Ken Shamrock on a highlight uh, video where he, he wrestled, and he made a comeback. I was like, wow, at his age, he made a comeback. You know, I'm, I'm young. I still feel young. I feel younger than I did when I was 30, and I'm 43 right now. Um, could I have that opportunity? Yes. Could I put myself in a situation? Yes. Would the competitors uh, be able to compete against me? Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe I might not be able to find the difference between a professional fight and a professional wrestling match. Maybe I get, might get them mixed up and I'll choke the guy in the contest or I'll knock the guy out for real. <laughs> and uh, I'm making fun doing it. And I don't know. Right now, my number one goal is to beat Alberto De Rio on December 7th live on pay-per-view. That's my goal. I'm putting in the work. Um training four days or excuse me four times a day five days a week twice on saturday sundays i'm able to take off but uh, i'm putting in the work man i'm grinding i'm grinding i'm grinding i just want to get my hand raised on december 7th so that's my first goal before i do anything else and now i know you're tight with the the trump family uh donald trump uh, president trump was at ufc 224 this past weekend uh, i know donald trump jr had said that he has been thinking about um you know he was going to try to make this fight have you heard anything more regarding that um, not yet. You know, I, I spoke with Eric after he got done uh, in New York with his father. Um, he said, man, that was an amazing fight. It was just the, the, the energy in the room was just like no other. And I was like, I told you it would be a good fight. He goes, I knew Masvidal would win. And I'm a big DS fan, so we had our differences. But, you know, at the end of the day, we, we, we agreed upon, you know, he, he likes Masvidal. I like uh, Diaz. And that's what makes it great about America, man. We can have our differences, but at the end of the day, we can still stay friends and still have our own differences. Uh, but I, I would love them to attend the fight. You know, I know they have a lot of stuff coming with the upcoming elections. Um, so I know they're doing their homework. They're doing all the groundwork. And uh, if they could show up, I'm blessed. If not, I know they'll be watching on pay-per-view. So um, either way, I'm, I'm thankful and I still support our, our president, and I wish a lot more people would come out and be more outspoken about it because they shouldn't be ashamed of it. They should be proud of it because we live in such a great country. If you want to live the American dream, 
you got to work for it. You got to bust your ass to make it happen. And I've been doing it my uh, whole life, man. I came from nothing as a kid, being on the streets, being around gangs, my parents having a drug problem, to my mother getting sober, taking me away from my father, and me getting a second chance in life, getting into wrestling, uh, putting myself through college, getting into fighting, becoming a world champion. Now a father of uh, three boys, and uh, my kids wrestle, my kids do jiu-jitsu. My kids uh, are trying to be A students. Uh, they have their ups and downs in that position, but they work hard. And, uh, you know, I make sure that they feel like they're not entitled to anything. They work hard and respect our country, love our country. And uh, as an American, I think everybody should because we're very lucky to be um, living here. You know, uh, I, I want to keep chasing this American dream. And the only way to do it is with hard work and dedication. Yeah, now I know you get asked this question a lot, but you had uh, planned to retire after your fight with Forrest Griffin. Since then, you've came back. You've won four out of five. Um, you've been on a tear. You've looked fantastic. How long do you see yourself keeping on going? And who would you like to fight after Del Rio? And and would that take place in Combate Americas? Well, you know, um, when, I, when I fought uh, Forrest Griffin, lost to him, uh, UFC 148, uh, I was having a lot of problems at home. You know, my ex uh, was just uh, having some problems. I had to come home and I had to fix my family. I had to get full custody of my children. Um, my ex has been gone for six and a half years now. My life is normal. Um, I'm dating a new girl, Emma Nicole Miller, who's been with me now for the last uh, six and a half years, who pretty much helped me and helped save my life, uh, save my family, and gave structure to my family. Um, I, I, I went through some hard times in that, you know, battling against Dana White in the UFC, and it was always them against me, to reinvigorate my career and coming back to uh, Bellator and having a 3 and one record, fighting for a world title, making a mistake, getting caught with the reverse triangle. Um, but then Chuck Liddell coming back and saying he wanted to fight me, and he was going to make me look like a clown, he was going to beat me down. And I stopped him in a round, you know, and then I find out what am I going to do with myself as the best. And um, Kambake came to me with a contract that I really couldn't refuse, a three-year deal. Uh, the money I'm making is as much money that I would make uh, through the UFC. Um, so I'm very thankful. They respect my brand. They respect my name. They respect what I've done in the sport. And the paychecks uh, show it. And I'm very, very lucky. Um, but I do have, you know, one or two more fights left in me. I want to make the best of my time right now. You know, uh, last year after I fought Chuck Liddell and knocked him out in the first round, I had a, a crossroad of my life. I had to think what I'm going to do next. And one of my friends, who's a close friend of mine, Randy Couture, um, I gave him a phone call and I said, Randy, when you were 43, what made you come back? I want to compete in this martial arts game. You can become a uh, heavyweight UFC world champion. He's like, well, Tito, I didn't feel like I was done. I felt like I had a lot more to do. I want to take advantage of this time right now. So when I am in my 50s, I don't look back going, damn, I wish I would have done that. That's all I needed to hear. I was set. Stone was set on the ground. I etched my name in it, and I said, let's go. Put my kids together, my girlfriend. I sat them down there, downstairs in my living room, and I said, you know what? I think Dad's going to continue to compete. My boys had a big smile on their face, on their face, and... My girlfriend had a smile on her face. She goes, we, we believe in you. Dad, we believe in you. So I haven't stopped since, man. I'm still going. I love it. This is something that I love to do is compete. I'm a competitor. I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a thoroughbred, man. This is what I do for a living. You know, I love to compete. So we'll see what happens in the future. But right now, all I'm thinking about is December 7th, live on pay-per-view against Alberto Del Rio. 
in Hidalgo, Texas, at the Pain Arena, as I step in the cage and uh, take this guy out in the first round. That's my goal. Well, we're definitely looking to it. I know readers of our site, they're also hoping to see you in a wrestling ring. Jake Hager, he's doing MMA and pro wrestling at the same time. Uh, I know we all want to see you at some point uh, wrestle in the ring and also keep competing in mixed martial arts. But best of luck to you, and thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. So, Tito, I work for Wrestling Inc. Uh, I know that you have uh, your mindset on this fight, December 7th, against Alberto. I'm going to ask you for a second to look past that. After the fight with Alberto, what do you see next for yourself? And because I know you've talked about making this a winner-take-all title fight, his WWE title, your World Heavyweight title, and a person of your charm, personality, mic skills, charisma, do you see any opportunity in a world of pro wrestling after your fight? Um, you know, I'm, I'm friends with Shane McMahon. Uh, he hasn't really reached out to me. Um, I, I, he gives me tickets to the events when they're here at Staples Center or when they're in Orange County. I bring my kids to it. We're all huge fans of it. Uh, I would I would love to dabble in it, but I think uh, he's really not sure if, uh, if I can separate the difference between real fighting and uh, professional wrestling. Um, I'm not sure if I can really separate the difference between them myself. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I watched Cain Velasquez uh, do it, and uh, he did a good job. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of uh, Brock Lesnar, but I know he's uh, the heavyweight champ right now. I know. I, I guess I could leave it at that. Right now is uh, strictly about this fight. I, I've always had interest in WWE. I mean, back when it was WWF, uh, you know, I had an opportunity to sit with uh, Hulk Hogan. Uh, when I did TNA and have about a three-hour conversation with the man, and we have so much in resemblance, and it was just crazy, and he's like, brother, you'd have been a great WWE guy. Uh, and it was kind of cool to have the respect from uh, uh, Hogan like that, and um, I respect the man like uh, him and uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, he, he's an amazing man himself, very humble person, and I have a great opportunity to meet him on a couple of occasions, and he's a, a very, very nice guy, and he's one again, one of the guys, you're like, man, you'd have did really well in this, and uh, everything's happened for a reason, you know. I think uh, when, when the plans align uh, the right time, you never know what happens, man. You never, never know. Well, I could speak on behalf of all wrestling fans that we would be very happy to see you. Thank you so much for taking my question. I appreciate it. Right, you're very welcome, man. Thank you. Pleasure. Hey, good luck, okay? Thank you. Alberto, how you doing? Uh, so I wanted to ask you a question. Um, I know you have your uh, mindset set on this upcoming fight with Tito. December 7th. Uh, I wanted to ask you a quick question about the, the Lucha Libre series that you were uh, getting ready to start up. Uh, you had commented in the past about making sure that all of the people that work for your promotion uh, receive health insurance, which is a big deal in the pro wrestling industry. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that and why that's important, especially now in a climate where there is still no union for pro wrestlers? Because I used to work for a company uh, for many years, working companies that never gave me that privilege. Uh, they should be doing it because um, in the pro, the, the pro wrestling business is not fair. They call us independent contractors. So if we're independent contractors, why you don't let your wrestlers go and wrestle in Mexico for CMLL or AAA or my, my lucha company, Nación Lucha League. So you are an independent contractor just so you don't have to give them the benefits. And, and that's not fair. So 
if I was complaining about it for so many years uh, and go and do the same in my organization, that would be that would make me a lie, a, a, a hypocrite, and, uh, and I'm not any of that. So the moment I started the company, I started talking to to, to health insurance and companies and organizations to help me get this and be able to give this to all my employees. Fantastic. Uh, with the promotion coming up and with all these organizations in Mexico, not just Tripoli uh, and CMLL, but also the crash, uh, is there going to be some type of recruiting that you're planning on doing or just hopefully uh, word of mouth? Well, you know, this is the thing because I'm, I'm before being a promoter, I'm a pro wrestler, a wrestler, one of the boys. Uh, I'm not denying anyone the chance to go and work for other organizations. The other organizations are denying their talent to come to Nacional Chalibre because they're still because we're doing fantastic things. We've been in the in the in the in the uh, business for for only six months, and we have fantastic ratings. Of course, they it dropped a little bit because I'm not there, <laughs> and I'm one of the favorite sons of of Mexico, and uh, people want they want to see me, and uh, because I'm in my focus on in this fight in my training camp, I haven't been on TV for for the last two months, and it's gonna be another month. Uh, and even a little bit more um, to, to to be able to do my return to, to, to TV in Nacion Michelin. But, uh, but we're doing fantastic. Everybody, I said it uh, since day number one, if they want to go to Triple A, go to Triple A. Just, just be polite and show your manners and call me and let me know that you're going somewhere else. I will never give you that bullshit of, oh, you cannot go there because that's a different network. That's just bullshit because you have a contract with the com wrestling companies, not with the network. So, so you can go anywhere you want. Just, just like I do. I'm in Univision. I'm in Access. I'm in Television. I'm in Univision. I go anywhere. Right? Anywhere I want. Uh, the only place where I have a, a, a contract to work for them and just be with them is Combate Americas. And even if I do, if I don't have a contract, I don't want to go anywhere else because this is um, this is my family. That man over there is not just my boss; it's my friend, uh, a real friend, someone that has been supporting me in the good times, bad times, worst worst times. And uh, wow, and, uh, and I'm feeling I'm I'm really happy to be part of this organization. Well, can I just say that I personally think it's inspiring the things that you want to do for not only pro wrestling but for MMA so thank you for your time and for answering my question thank you thank you so much thank you Michael for joining me at the top of the show to talk all the news the past five really six days because uh, last Thursday we did our Thanksgiving special so thank you everybody for tuning in for that as well um, we will be back tomorrow and Thursday with brand new episodes of the Winkly on tomorrow's show it's going to be an AEW edition of the show of course we're going to be talking all the news of the day, but you're also going to hear from Scorpio Sky and freelance wrestling founder Matt Nix, who took on Cody Rhodes last week on Dynamite. I don't know if you heard, did you hear the freelance wrestling chance breakout when Matt Nix was taking on Cody Rhodes in that match? I did not, or if I did, I, I kind of ignored it, I guess, didn't recognize what it was. Well, jerk, it was a big deal for us here in Chicago. It was like awesome. it, it was like Chicago's ECW, got a minute of love there. They Even Cody kind of stopped for a second, and they both stood there and took it in. And so go back and watch that. Appreciate yeah. appreciate that moment, Michael. You should all go back and appreciate it. Um, so very excited to have both of them on tomorrow. And, of course, if you like the show, you like all the review shows, go over, check us out on iTunes, Wrestling Inc. Audio. Uh, that's the place to check us out. All right. Uh, Michael, what do you want to plug from over here to wrap up the show today? 
Well, you know, um, you know, Nick, Nick, you and I need to talk about maybe me getting back into the, the writing game a little bit. So we'll do that off the air here. But right, what right. I do promote, want to promote, put over here is Friday Night Smackdown. I will be back behind the Wrestling Inc. Twitter account covering that, live tweeting all night, and then joining Glenn and Matt Morgan for the post-game show on our YouTube channel. So please check that out. And of course, as always, you can follow me. I am on Twitter at The Real Wiseman. Sometimes we get a little, you know, wrestling heavy and sometimes we get real personal. So there you go. All right, everybody, and I'm at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Can't wait to talk to you tomorrow. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. <laughs>